Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every. NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in president-select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the week 18 finale what we've all been waiting for, actually, it's not what we've been waiting for. We're waiting for the postseason, but we need to figure out who's going to be in the postseason, Joe House. This is the Ringer Gambling Show Friday edition, where we're going to break down all of the Week 18 NFL games that matter, go over some of your listener-submitted best bets, and we're going to evaluate them, and House is going to pick somebody to get a potential little something-something in the mail or something like that. And we're all going to celebrate when that bet wins. But House, look, we've, we've had some good news this morning here on yeah. DeMar Hamlin. Why don't you share it with the people? Yeah, so speaking of what we have all been waiting for and reason to celebrate, you know, the news over the last hour as we get assembled here on Friday morning, DeMar Hamlin spoke to his team. Uh, the intubation was removed. He spoke to his team. And I think that's the sort of sigh of relief that, all of us in the football community have kind of been waiting for. It means now we can continue to root for uh, enormous progress out of DeMar and, and, and continued good fortune and, and good health. But we can also pivot to the matter at hand, which is these football games uh, and the playoffs staring us right in the, in the face and the, the implications of the Bengals-Bills game not being played and, and being canceled. The NFL clubs are supposed to vote this afternoon, but it seems like kind of a foregone conclusion that we know um, how that outcome is, is going to play. And it obviously has implications for this weekend. I feel like we can finally map out those implications, understand motivations, and jump in here and try and get some action down, buddy. Yeah, I agree. And look, obviously, it's amazing, amazing. And we'll talk about when we break down the Buffalo game a little bit more in detail how Hamlin was FaceTiming them this morning and could talk now that that breathing tube was removed and was discussing some things with the team and uh, probably motivating them a little bit. And we've seen just in the last hour, the line move on the Buffalo Bills back up to seven and a half at some spots. We've seen the total tick up a little bit. Part of that is related to the Bills now having a little bit more incentive, a little bit more motivation to win this game. And, and why is that? Well, let's pretend for a moment that this uh, 
submission by the league that was made last night. Kind of the NFL loves to do this. They like discuss things in the media, sort of float things. And then they say, oh, we're actually going to decide in a little bit. And then they kind of get the temperature of what the public is reacting to on it. And they came up with some scenarios. And the bottom line with these scenarios are two of the best teams in the AFC are playing one fewer game than everybody else. So if those two teams happen to meet a team that has played the full schedule, they are giving those teams the benefit of the doubt, so to speak, and not making those teams play Kansas City in Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. That game would be played on a neutral field, but they are incentivizing the Bengals and the Bills to win this weekend. So the Chiefs are going to play, and we'll talk later about how the NFL fucked up the way that they situated these games and why they put the games on Saturday that they did. It makes no sense. But at any rate, House, the first game of the weekend is Kansas City at the Raiders. If Kansas City wins that game, they lock up the one seed. That means you get a first round bye. That means that Buffalo or Cincinnati, who were basically playing for that first round bye to an extent in their game on Monday night that obviously got suspended and then canceled, those teams can't get the first round by. So in another world, those teams might think to sit their players in some respect for this game this weekend and not go full bore and not play because they can't get that first round by. Use this weekend, week 18, as a de facto bye week and then play your games next week in the wild card round. But the NFL is incentivizing them to win because if KC wins, Buffalo and well, not Cincinnati, but Buffalo can still have an edge by not having to go to Cincinnati for the AFC Championship game. It'll be played at a neutral field, but only if Buffalo beats the Patriots on Sunday. If Kansas City loses their game and Buffalo loses their game, then Cincinnati could still play the AFC Championship game at a neutral site, uh, if, if it's against Kansas City at least, at a neutral site if they beat the Ravens. And there's a scenario where the NFL further incentivized the Bengals to win by making it so that if the Bengals lose to the Ravens, which is sort of uh, meaning that the Ravens would have won the AFC, uh, AFC North Championship, but the Ravens uh, can't because the Bengals now have de facto won the AFC North game. They've won that division by the NFL canceling that Week 17 game. If that occurs and the Ravens are to win, then a coin flip would decide the location of that uh, wild card game when the Ravens play the Bengals, because that's the most likely scenario will, which would occur is the Ravens will play the Bengals 100% of the time. If the Bengals win their game against the Ravens, that's where that game would be. But it's still fairly likely that even if the Ravens were to win that game, as long as the Chargers beat the Broncos, the Bengals will meet the Ravens in the wild card round. And so the NFL is saying, look, that game is going to be played based, based upon a coin flip unless you, Cincinnati Bengals, beat the Ravens and then you get to host that game. I don't know if anybody's following along with all this shit, but the <laughs> bottom line is the NFL is trying to incentivize those teams to win their games, to still care about their games on Sunday, even if the Chiefs win their game on Saturday. And the NFL is trying to like sprinkle in a little bit of uh, fairness into the situation uh, by trying to make the AFC Championship be in a coin flip location. Yeah, and... and from my perspective, it's it's not a, a terrible suggestion, not a terrible proposal. Um, it, it's a you know tough situation to try and navigate. Too many moving parts. I think cancellation of that game was the right result, um, and I'm happy to see some some incentives out there. And and all those clubs have reasons to complain <laughs> about getting you know kind of the short side of of the proposal, but, you know, in view of the, the big picture, uh, and, and trying to preserve incentives, preserve, um, the integrity of these games, um, and recognizing the circumstances under which these teams enter the, the postseason, I think it's a decent enough proposal. The line in that, um, Ravens Bengals game is all the way up to nine and a half that I see, uh, now that's a, a, at least a full point, maybe more than that. Yeah. 
at most spots, I'm looking at my screen, it's at 10. It's 10. gone all the way up to 10. Yeah. Now, what they've done is eliminated your ability to tease that game, which I did tease the Cincinnati Bengals down earlier today before it went all the way up to 10. Uh, that's massive just teaser protection. It moved quickly once they saw enough money coming in at Bengals minus eight and a half. And that move sort of was triggered by Lamar Jackson being announced as doubtful on the odd screen. And what's absolutely insane, uh, just it's this season. This is just the way this season is. I think it might carry on into the future, but it wasn't like this in years past with, I mean, I got, I got a whole rant on this. We won't go into all the details right now, House. There's too many other things to discuss. The bottom line is that more smaller bettors are influencing the market because they're betting at a more uncovering betting at a more full-time capacity. And as a result of that, when they see any type of injury news, the market gets flooded with like smaller size bets on injury related information. And so even though like Lamar Jackson was never playing in week 18. He was never playing this week. Like if he's coming back, it's for the playoff game. It's not for this game. They've already locked up the playoffs. Okay. But so the line was set based on Lamar not playing and early money came in based upon Lamar not playing. And just because on a Friday morning, it's officially announced that Lamar is doubtful. Like all of a sudden now the line goes up higher. Like I mean, people have lost their minds over adjusting for these injury-related situations here, in my opinion. I'm glad that, that this is the direction that you've headed because I was going to pose this question to you. I feel like the line movement is more attributable to the clarity that's been introduced around the incentive for the Bengals because all scenarios really led to the Bengals and the Ravens playing each other in consecutive weeks. I mean, you know, as long as the Chargers beat the Broncos, it was going to be Bengals and Ravens week 18 and first round in, in, in the wild card, um, you know, after Monday. So with that uh, in place and now that the the incentive has been introduced, I think for, for the Bengals, that was the reason that I thought the line uh, might have moved more. So I, I think you're absolutely right that Lamar not playing was already priced into um, the spread. The thing that, that that's really to me, been the the changer was the introduction of this uh, incentive. Um, and I wondered about, you know, when two teams are playing each other in consecutive weeks, um, you know, the, the, with with all of the injuries on the on the Ravens side, um, and with the Bengals now having um the advantage of um, you know, three quarters of a game worth of rest, I mean, not, not to minimize the emotional toll of being physically, you know, there for, for what happened to DeMar. Um, I, I, I thought there was some possibility that the Bengals might, you know, rest guys, not show their, their best game, not, you know, that they would use the opportunity of this week 18 to, to really um, play a little rope-a-dope. And it looks like the rope-a-dope is, is off the table and that's why the price is shot up. Well, so, I have the benefit of having the odd screen here. So I have the benefit of seeing when they flash things up on the odd screen in terms of an injury bug icon, a notifications bug icon. And right after they pop those up, that is when this, like within two minutes, that is when this line started going north of seven, seven and a half. So uh, this is why two, it's eight and a half. So the show is so good. Like I, I see stuff that happens and I'm not, so, I don't have the screens in front of me, you know, right. in real time. So yes, there is an element that the Bengals, like this is what I assumed when I was looking at this announcement last night and I really started breaking it down. I assumed that this, because here's, here's the weird uh, quirk about this game in particular. These two teams are highly likely to meet again in the wild card round. The way that they meet again in the wild card round is if the Bengals finish in the third seed and if the Ravens finish in the sixth seed. Well, let's first talk about the Ravens. The only way the Ravens don't finish in the sixth seed is if they beat the Bengals and in the 4 p.m. games, the Chargers lose to the Broncos. In that scenario, a Ravens win, a Chargers loss, the Ravens leapfrog the Chargers and finish in the fifth seed and don't play the Cincinnati Bengals. But here is where that, like the NFL um, kind of staggering these games makes absolutely no fucking sense. 
we saw they post the game on the Chargers-Broncos. And once people realize, and that game's at four, and the Ravens game's at one. And once people realize that the Ravens are, uh, once they announce that the Ravens is playing at one o'clock against the Bengals, and that line is Bengals minus seven, the odds that the Bengals lose that game are very low, right? Like there is a chance, I agree. but it's relatively low. I agree. And as a result, there's zero incentive for the Chargers to actually win their game. They're already going to be the fifth seed. The fifth seed gets to play the Jaguars or the Titans, whereas the sixth seed has to play either, most likely, the uh, Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you want to play the Jaguars slash Titans, the winner of the AFC South, in potentially a warmer weather climate, or do you want to have to go and play in a cold weather game against the Cincinnati Bengals or the Buffalo Bills? I think the answer is obvious. So you're already locked that up. You don't have to do anything against the Denver Broncos. So what happened to that line? Once it was announced that that game, Bengals-Ravens, was going to be at 1 p.m., within an hour, we saw the Denver Broncos move from a three-point underdog against the Chargers to a three-point favorite. I mean, the NFL are total morons for the way that they staggered these things and the way that they sequenced these games because they should have had those two games being played at the same time. In fact, they should have had the Chiefs game being played at the same time that the Bills game was being played. So nobody would have any issues with motivation or wondering about X, Y, and Z. So the NFL tries to like clean up their dirty work about fucking up that they stuck the Chiefs on a Saturday by bringing out this new proposal saying, oh, well, if it's a neutral site, as long as you win this weekend, you'll still get to play. The, they just want teams to try to play with some sort of motivation this week. And they and they messed it up when they announced the schedule. And they're using this little development last night and tweaks to try to clean up their messes a little bit. It's It's actually embarrassing. Everybody pretty much knows it. Everybody who studies the schedule and studies the odd screen and the, the favorites and underdogs on these games absolutely sees right through the fact that the NFL majorly fucked up the way that they sequenced these games. And it's going to be funny to watch this Lions-Packers game, which absolutely should have been played on Saturday night yes. so that it would have mattered 100% to both teams, yes. but they stuck it on Sunday. So now everybody's going to be watching this Rams-Seahawks game and live betting the Lions, uh, sorry, not live betting the Lions, there will be betting on the Lions-Packers game, which is going to be played that night. And if the Seahawks take a lead, which makes the game meaningless to the Lions, now I still believe that Dan Campbell's team is going to play, Me too. but that, that line is going to get better. You're going to get like six, six and a half potentially, if Great. the Seahawks start building a lead. And if the Seahawks struggle with the Rams and the Rams end up coming out to a lead, then that line's going to go down. It's probably going to go down to three and a half. So like, it's going to be really interesting watching how that thing shapes up. You're absolutely right about the, the Saturday night F up. And this preceded, you know, all of the manipulation that they had to enter into um, to address the, the Hamlin um, situation, the cancellation of, of that game. You're absolutely right that that Chiefs-Vegas game should have been Sunday. We knew that they had these Saturday slots to fill. The TV contract with ESPN requires, you know, the, the, the some element of it. So um, th that's fine. But yeah, the obvious games were the two divisional outcomes that that, you know, chart the course for for um, other teams on Sunday, in, in you know what, you know what would have been great. You know what would have been great. House stick the fucking Giants Eagles game so we can see Jalen Hurts come back and them trying to win this game to get the first seed. Okay, stick that game on Saturday and stick the Lions Packers game on Saturday night, and then play the game that's going to really have this trickle down effect for the rest of the teams on Sunday. I know the Dallas Cowboys would have been impacted if the Eagles win and they would be more likely to rest their guys as well. But there was there were other games that you could have stuck there on the Saturday slate that would have not killed what happens on Sunday as much as they did. Yeah, so at right. any rate, let's dive into the games themselves. Okay, so the two games Saturday, they have their own rich storylines. Um, and notwithstanding our dissatisfaction with the way that the NFL has, has lined this up. Um, the Chiefs win. They grab the one seed, and they're, uh, the, the, the knock-on effects 
Mahomes is the MVP. We think he locks down MVP if the Chiefs win. That's my view. And there's that incentive out there, potentially for Mahomes, to go out and throw for 430 yards and become the all-time single-season yardage passing leader in the history of the NFL. So fun things on the Chiefs side. And on the Raiders side, Josh McDaniel, I don't know what uh, Derek Carr did to him. Something did, did like, <laughs> he might have called him a cat person or something. I don't know what uh, <laughs> drove those two apart. I mean, the Raiders were playing pretty good ball after Derek Carr's tearful uh, plea, you know, uh, uh, six weeks ago. Um, and yet, he, here we are. It's apparent that Derek Carr and Josh McDaniel's offense were not a, a, a suitable match. And we saw it. Um, by way of the, the manner that Josh McDaniels unleashed Jared Stidham last week, 500 yards against the best defense in the effing NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. That game remained in doubt all the way to the end. And in terms of the play calling, it was a version of a Raiders offense we haven't seen at all. And that Raiders offense has been loaded and we've been puzzling. Why can't, you know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr have this relationship? Why isn't it clicking? Josh Jacobs is leading the NFL in rushing. How are they not out scoring 40 points a game? And a lot of it was attributable, I think, to the play calling. Well, we saw Josh McDaniels put his very best foot forward against the 49ers last week, and I expect him to do the exact same thing this week against the Chiefs. So I don't like the number in, ter- in, in terms of supporting the Chiefs. The nine and a half is, is, is rich. I mean, I'm honestly like like the Raiders um, catching all those points, but I like the Chiefs to win. Okay, so you like the Chiefs to win this game, but the Raiders to cover. One of the interesting elements to this game that I like is the over in the game. And there's a couple of reasons why, House. Number one, as you astutely realized, Josh McDaniels was calling this game far more aggressively. This guy has an axe to grind. This guy has a point to prove. This guy wants Jared Stidham to be in contention for quarterback for this team next year, in my opinion. Devontae Adams came out and said he wants input in who's going to be the quarterback. Well, Stidham is basically auditioning for this role. And if you go with Stidham, You save a ton of cap space if Stidham ends up being a guy who can operate this offense efficiently. You save a ton of cap space compared to what Derek Carr was giving you. You don't have to go out and get another quarterback. You can potentially add more weapons to this thing. And as a result, it could definitely be an upgrade for the Raiders roster as a whole. And it seems like this is the guy that Josh McDaniels probably for a little while has been thinking, hey, maybe this guy can do a better job than Derek Carr. So what's he doing? He seems to be calling plays a little bit more aggressively. They're throwing the ball deeper down the field. 24% of his passes traveled 20 plus yards last week. And that was the number one highest rate in the NFL. The Chiefs defense has been struggling against these types of passes down the field. Uh, The Raiders offense is significantly healthier healthier with Renfro back and Waller back. Um, And it's basically a perfect spot to buy low on the Raiders offense because you have this situation where they've played three straight games against top 10 defenses, 49ers, Patriots, Steelers. The Chiefs have a bottom 10 defense. They're 23rd ranked. They've played the fifth easiest schedule of opposing offenses. I think that benefits them. And then on the other side of the ball, this Raiders defense is terrible. It's a disaster. Their secondary is total garbage. And you're going to get this Chiefs team that is operating at their most efficient level offensively passing the football that they have in any of the years that Patrick Mahomes has started for them. And as a result, it, but this team is like flying under the radar because they don't on offense, at least because they don't have the splash plays, the sports center highlights, et cetera, big bombs to Tyreek Hill. Defenses are playing a little differently, but we know the Raiders defense tends not to do that. They play them a little bit more standard, and that's going to allow some potential big plays for the Chiefs offensively. And the last but not least, let's pretend that the Chiefs are up in this game. 30 to 20, it's in the fourth quarter, and Patrick Mahomes has 360 passing yards in the game. Patrick Mahomes needs just 429 yards to tie the all-time record for passing yardage in a single season. So he gets 430, that record is his. If he's you know within 100 yards of that in the fourth quarter, 
my guess is Andy Reid lets him stay out there and throw the football around a little bit. So it's up to Mahomes whether he's earned that through the first three quarters. But this is a win to get a bye next week. They probably, to ensure the victory, will let Patrick Mahomes chuck the ball in the fourth quarter especially if he's close to this record. And I do agree with you that the Raiders are probably going to do enough offensively to keep this game close. So I, at first I was thinking, so I bet, uh, just pulling the curtain back, I bet the over at 50 earlier this week, gave it out to clients. We all got 50. The line is now shifted up to 52 and a half. Initially in that respect, because key number 51, I would suggest go over 26 and a half in the first half because you lost the, the value on the full game over. I don't think 26 and a half is a bad bet to go over. However, I do think that there may, may be some points scored in this fourth quarter in a back and forth game with Mahomes chasing the record, with the Raiders trying to come back and do something. Raiders always end up giving up points late. I think both halves are going to be high scoring, but I think over 52 and a half is still a very solid wager. Great. So you beat me to the punch. I don't have to ask. Uh, I, I didn't get in early enough. I was traveling this week. Uh, it was it was New Year's, um, but I did get on the 52 and a half. Um, and, and I'm, I'm happy to hear you still endorse that. There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Honda prologue EV. True. It's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. So let, let's talk about this uh, Tennessee-Jacksonville yep. game. The, you know, Tennessee Titans have been battling injury. They haven't won a game in, in six weeks. Uh, and, you know, Tannehill's out. But the practice reports this week are very positive. They're traveling to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is laying six and a half. Buddy, that feels like a ton of points for a quarterback and a team and a franchise that haven't been in the playoffs in a little while. Not a lot of experience. Now, Doug Peterson does have plenty of experience, um, but he can't go out on the field and run the plays himself. Um, Trevor Lawrence has looked great uh, over the last month or so, um, has gone up against a, a number of bad defenses and, you know, chucked the, the, the rock around. Uh, they were... They admirably grabbed that game away from Dallas on, on a pick six um, in overtime. So that, you know, kudos to them for that. But, man, this is a beware of Vrabel situation as far as I'm concerned. No way I am laying that many points against a Vrabel coach Tennessee team that, you know, time and time again as an underdog shows up tough, shows up disciplined, we're at Derrick Henry season. It's time for the for the big hoss to, to get the rock 30 times and just run, 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 run. I like the under in this game, and I like Tennessee in this game. I could see both of those things. I, I definitely can see the, the Tennessee side of it. My personal perspective is if you like the Titans, they are a first-half team, and they've been a first-half team all year long. I do not want any part of, if they can't cover that first-half spread, I don't know that I want part of, Josh Dobbs trying to come back in the game to get me in the back door yep. for the full game spread. Yep. So, and, and the other thing, we saw this play out in their last game against the Tennessee Titans, sorry, against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 14. Derrick Henry in the first quarter, 11 runs for 96 yards. The Titans were up 14 to seven. After those 11 rushes in the first quarter, you know how many rushes Derrick Henry had the rest of the game? I don't. I couldn't believe it. Six. Oh, wow. Six rushes the rest of the game. Tennessee rent, they really lowered their run rate. And here's the thing like, once you like, I, I like to parse up the statistics. I like to look at things by, by quarter sometimes, by drive. Um, but when you look at the second quarter, what really ended up unraveling is turnovers. The Titans had a five play drive that they gained on their first four plays, 33 yards. And then they threw an interception. Mm. The second play, they went three and out and punted the football. And the third play was three plays. They gained 39 yards. But on that third play, after the 39th yard, they fumbled the football. Mm -hmm. And so the Titans, despite being up 14 to seven at the end of the first quarter, 
Those turnovers led to points for the Jaguars. And then the Jaguars got the ball coming out of halftime and the Jaguars scored again. And now you're down by 13 points with your first possession of the second half. And they basically abandoned the run at that point. Like they, they truly uh, abandoned the run at that point. And Derrick Henry really didn't do anything else the rest of the game. So you want your money on the line with the Titans in the first half rather than in the second half. Um, I hear you on all the stats for Vrabel. This secondary is still really beat up though. Yeah. And for that reason, and for the reason that the scripting is always good. And here's the other thing about Josh Dobbs. So Josh Dobbs comes in, I think he was signed like eight days, literally just added to the roster eight days before that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And that was a game where they were benching everybody, right? Like they, they rested all of their guys. So you think they're giving Josh Dobbs like the A-plus game plan on like a few days of rest to try to go out and win this game? No, they're simplifying everything. He's not even working with like the full-on thing that he's going to be utilizing today. He has now had like since last Thursday, so what are we talking, nine days, to figure out the offense better. Now the offense coordinator has been game planning for the Jaguars for more time. I, I just think it sets up well for the Titans offense to come out and do something here as well in the first half of this game. And for those reasons, I took the over in the first half. That's oh. when the Titans games tend to go over. That's when the Titans offense tends to be better. I felt like this total was low because it's the divisional game and Josh Dobbs stinks, but Josh Dobbs is an upgrade over Malik Willis. You cannot run a traditional NFL offense with Malik Willis, but you can run a traditional NFL offense. It's not going to look pretty, but you can run it with Josh Dobbs. And I think there's going to be enough dialed up here for the Titans to score a little bit. And I still think, like I mentioned, that this secondary of the Tennessee Titans is suspect. And what do we know that Doug Peterson is really good at doing? Attacking your weaknesses. And I think that he and the Jaguars will be keenly aware of the fact that if we build a lead here, because the last time that they played in week 14, that was Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. That yeah. was not Malik Willis. That was not Josh Dobbs. If the Jaguars come out in the first half, pedal to the metal, floor this fucking thing, build a lead. Guess what's going to happen in the second half? Derrick Henry's going to be on the sidelines a lot. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have to deal with that big hoss running the football, just like what happened in week 14. So I really do feel like Jaguars are intent on building a quick lead here. Offense for Titans come up with some things that surprise using Josh Dobbs. They haven't put it on tape yet. And, and that's what happens in the first half. Then the Jaguars adjust to what the Titans were doing with Dobbs, make those corrections after the first quarter into the second quarter, specifically at halftime and, and lock up the Titans offense a little bit more. And that's when scoring slows down. So could be totally wrong, but I like the first half over here. And if I was leaning to a side, I would be leaning to the Titans and preferably in the first half. And then the number for that over in the first half is what? Is it 20? Is it 19 and a half? So I got it when it was at 19 and a half. It has since moved up to 20 and I'm seeing some 20 and a half. Now it was 20 and a half everywhere. My strong recommendation is to hunt for a 20. Okay. Get a 20 as much as possible. Try to get the 20. Do not, do not go over 20 and a half. Do not do it. Do not do it. <laughs> we love it. We take it under consideration. One of the things I'll be looking <laughs> for from the betting buddies I have seen, and this is going to be a theme throughout, you know, we'll have the opportunity to, to dive into this now that the menu is, is fully complete in front of us. Individual player performance incentives are out there. Zay Jones has both the receptions incentive and a yardage incentive that are within reach. So I'll be interesting to see if the betting buddies, when we get to this that segment of the show, uh, make that recommendation to us. But that's one that I'm definitely taking a look at. I, I, I can't disagree there. I can't disagree there. Now, for the Sunday slate, yeah. I think we roll through this a lot less detailed matchup oriented. And let's talk some some more uh, some of these games based on situation because so many factors are at play here with resting guys or not resting guys or kind of the matchups. But give me like your layout of a couple of bets that you were looking at for Sunday that you liked for whatever reason. So one of the things that, you know, uh, you, you want to try and not 
um, put yourself in the position of just jumping on teams that have to win to to get in because there's a lot to, you know, in general, that's a square position, but there is also plenty of analytics over history that reflect um, that that they're the the price for that is built into the line. And, you know, since 1990, this is from the Action Network homies, and I've seen it from some other smart folks pointing out that, you know, eliminated teams, teams that don't have a chance to make the playoffs, going up against teams that have to be, have to win to remain in the playoff picture, uh, cover the spread at at a 62% clip. So we have three of those teams on Sunday. And then depending on if the Seahawks, uh, what happens with between the Seahawks and the Rams, the Lions could also fit the mold. Um, we talked a little bit about the the Jets Miami situation. The Jets are all the way up to getting three points um, at Miami. Jets eliminated. Miami has to win to stay in the picture. The Browns, I think, are still at two and a half. They're at Pittsburgh, uh, and then the Rams getting six at Seattle. My favorite of all of these is honestly the Rams, uh, and I'm kind of surprised by this this number here and it has moved over the course of of the week um the Seahawks defense has regressed you know sort of all the way back to what what it was at the beginning uh, of the season which is a bottom 3 defense in the entire NFL and the Rams with Baker Mayfield have have kind of come into something the Rams don't have a first round pick they traded away uh to Detroit I think they are incentivized to come out and 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 play these guys, uh, Acres and Baker, the Acre Baker combo going on here. Those guys both have plenty to play for, plenty to show up and show out. This is a divisional rival, and it just feels like too many points to me. Uh, the the Pete Carroll Sean McVay matchup. They've been seeing each other for a handful of years. Um, the 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 across a bunch of different um, DVAOA metrics, the Rams over the last month, you know, line up pretty favorably with the Seahawks. And by golly, the Rams should have beaten the Seahawks uh, a few weeks ago with John Wofford, a quarterback. The version of the offense that the Rams have installed with uh, Baker Mayfield, and especially the involvement of the running backs and the tight ends in the passing game, has been... um, Really good to see. So I, I like this Rams getting all those points against uh, the Seahawks. I also like the Rams money line uh, uh, of all those games that fit that profile. Do you have any view on that? Yeah, I, I can't argue with anything you said. My only concern with the Rams are eventually with weeks and weeks and weeks of your playoff life being destroyed and you were a Super Bowl winning team last year. And so this year pales in comparison completely and you keep losing games right here and there. Uh, They're going back and forth ping ponging, but you're not having a ton of success to close out the season. Why would you care about playing for Baker Mayfield? He just came to your team for very long. I guess the point I'm trying to get is that Defense takes effort. Defense takes a lot of effort. Stopping the run takes a ton of effort. And this Rams defense just allowed a season-high 192 rushing yards to the Chargers. The fucking Chargers. The Chargers (laughs) stink at running the ball. They hardly ever run the ball. They gained 192 yards on this Rams run defense last week. Um, They've allowed over 100 rushing yards in each of their last four games. Previously, They allowed that just four times this year. So over the past four games, every single team got 100 rushing yards. Over the entire prior season, they only allowed 100 yards four times. So we're seeing a run defense that is falling off tremendously. And what do the Seahawks like to do? You know, yes, they try to pass the ball short with high efficiency from Geno Smith. He's on the verge of setting the record for, I think, completion percentages. He's at 70.2. He's going to set a few other records for the Seattle Seahawks from a passing perspective. But they're going to have Kenneth Walker, and he's going to be able to run the football on these guys. So I, I do see some holes for this. Seahawks defense, everything you mentioned is correct. You're going to have a lot of success with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball underneath to some of these backs and tight ends, which he likes to do and which the Seahawks stink at defending. And it doesn't take a Baker Mayfield or 
uh, any quarterback from the Rams to figure that out. Like all these guys have success throwing the ball to tight ends and running backs against the Seahawks defense. And you've got a coach in Sean McVay who knows and matches up well with the Seahawks. Like they've won four straight games against the Seahawks, covered the spread uh, in those games. So I would be absolutely looking to back the Rams here as opposed to the Seahawks. But that is my lone concern is that have these guys checked out after allowing 192 yards and getting destroyed last week on the ground and defensively is the defense going to give you the effort that you need to come within one score of the Seahawks or is it going to be entirely on Baker Mayfield and this game's going to be 30 to 27 you know like you're going to have to get 27 plus points out of Mayfield to score because if this Rams defense is 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 tanking for the season like if they just put in the towel after their last game I think it's a problem. Sneaky factor, though. Sneaky factor. Two name, two words, one name. Bobby Wagner. Yeah, you, know? you beat me to Bobby. the punch. Okay, you were gonna t- tell me about what you like about him. Well, I mean, he's coming home. He wants to show up. Yep. You know, it, it's he wants a, to knock out the Seahawks game. from the playoffs. You're right about exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. If he, if the Rams win, they they knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, guess what becomes more meaningful? That Lions Packers game because both teams are still alive for the playoffs. So I'm sure the NFL wouldn't necessarily mind if Bobby Wagner's defense shows up. And shows out and can keep the Rams in this game and potentially pull the outright upset. Yeah, you met uh, in addition to Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey plays DK uh, Metcalf tight, and there are some injury concerns on the Seattle side. Their safety didn't play against the the Jets. Uh, Ryan Neal, um, and he didn't practice Wednesday of this week. And then uh, the their middle linebacker Jordan Brooks got hurt in that Jets game, so he he's out. Um, but you know, I, I should have confessed up front. My bias with this game is I want that Lions uh, Detroit game. I, I mean, the, the the Lions Green Bay game at Lambeau on Sunday night to be a win and in game. So I'm really rooting for the Rams here. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's emotional and, and it's rational investment. That's the way that I'm approaching that one. I wouldn't complain if you're right. I do think, though. We will probably get a strong effort out of the Lions, win or lose. And actually, you know what's kind of fun? I mean, maybe, is that the Lions, if they've got the stress of trying to win and in in that game Sunday night, they'll be catching fewer points and it actually might be a worse bet as like backwards as this sounds than if the Lions are catching more points and playing loose and free and aggressive and willing to go for it more because there's no real downside to them. Like, they're not playing tight. They're not playing not to lose this game. They're playing to win this game for fun, and they just want to knock the Packers out. Like, I don't know. They could be better from an ATS and competitive perspective in that situation if they aren't tight. But like that's just uh, that's just pure speculation. Either way, I think the game Sunday night's going to be fun. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I think Detroit, no, no matter what the circumstances are, will absolutely be motivated to show up. My only concern with that matchup in the X's and O's is Jared Goff at Lambeau under those circumstances. It, it, you know, it, in the cold, I haven't had a chance to do the deep dive on the weather forecast. It's not there's not snow or anything. It'll be uh, cold, but it's not going to be like sub 32, I don't believe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, because, you know, one guy, let's just pat him on the back. That Ben Johnson, Jared Goff combo for Detroit has been kind of a revelation. I mean, are we going to, there's absolutely no reason. When we started the season, we wondered if Jared Goff and, and Detroit, when they w- started out one and six, okay, so he's just the sort of interim caretaker uh this upcoming draft has a bunch of good quarterbacks in it Detroit wins this game on Sunday night they finish nine and eight uh and you know in in the playoffs but I mean if depending on the Seattle Rams thing but but really what Jared Goff and, and Ben Johnson have going that looks you know really interesting and really sustainable if they're able to to you know keep guys healthy in into next season like kudos to Detroit do you agree with this I, I completely agree. Ben Johnson came out of nowhere to really be a surprising revelation for the Lions. And 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 I've been really impressed by him. And I was actually wrong. Let's clarify this. The game time, I think I was looking at the high or something for the day, but the game time temperature for uh, Sunday in Lambeau, uh, Sunday evening. Let me pull it up here. 
I guess at 2 p.m. it is going to be above freezing, but at 8 p.m. is going to be 25 degrees and it'll feel like 19. So it is going to be sub 32 when these guys play. So you're going to be able to use all those stats that, you know, talk about fading. Cold weather golf. Yeah, cold weather golf. And, and, that, and that's fine. Um, you know, you, you'll have the benefit of that. So I have two exotics for you. Before I, I jump into those, want to remind everybody, it is Friday. There is an NBA slate. The East Coast Bias Boys jumping in with the same game parlay based on the NBA slate. Just keep an eye out. We'll have our, our our leans in terms of props and sides and totals. That goes out. The ringer pushes it out every day, midday on Friday. So keep an eye on that same game parlay for the NBA from the East Coast Bias Boys. But I have a couple of what I hope to be pretty straightforward, simple exotics. want to bounce them off of you. The first is two games that we haven't talked about. I like um, the the in, in a teaser position. The Cleveland Browns going from uh, two and a half points up to eight and a half points combined with the Minnesota Vikings going from seven and a half point favorites down to one and a half point favorites. That That's my uh, my preferred sensible teaser for sensible people of the week. Any uh, reaction to that teaser proposition? No, I mean, look, the Steelers, the Browns, a lot of people watched that Browns game and walked away with a differing opinion than I did, but I watched the game against the Washington Commanders last week uh, because I was on the Browns. Uh, I was teasing the Browns in that game, so I was happy that they won the game, but Deshaun Watson did not look great. Yes, he had three touchdowns. Washington, part of the reason I freaking bet the Browns in the first place is because Washington was out their top two corners. Yeah. They couldn't cover anybody. Dudes were running wide open in the secondary. I mean, Amari Cooper's just like wide open and so they Deshaun Watson can run around and throw him the football easily and he runs in for a touchdown I mean that's the way that multiple touchdowns happen in that game like th this Deshaun Watson's overall performance in that game was not good he's taking too many sacks he's not efficient the Browns staff keeps talking him up oh these great throws that he's had oh well these couple were drops but he's been throwing he had a couple clutch throws against the Saints I mean it is what it is. Everybody associated with that move is going to try to spin this thing like it was the best move that they should have made. The reality is it was not. The reality is they've got a ton of guaranteed money invested in this guy. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback himself, was great. One of my favorite quarterbacks before the layoff. He was excellent at throwing the football and he was on a bad Houston Texans team. I think he can do better with Kevin Stefanski in the future, but I don't know that he's going to deliver an outstanding performance against the Steelers. You need to throw the football against the Steelers to have success. However, all of that said, this is not the time to be backing Mike Tomlin. I've been backing the Steelers for a couple weeks now as well. I backed them against the Raiders. I said they will win this game, but don't be scared if the Raiders get up early because the Raiders do that in the first half and they always choke games away late. I was backing them against the Baltimore Ravens last week on primetime, and I was just totally distressed at that ridiculous call at the end of the first half, which basically gave the Ravens seven points and a touchdown as opposed to just kicking a field goal. And the Steelers had to fight tooth and nail to claw their way back to, to get back into the position to win the game late. Um, but two buzzer beaters at the end of the games. This Browns team seems highly motivated to come out here and end the Pittsburgh Steelers season. They seem highly motivated to give Mike Tomlin his first losing record in Pittsburgh. I would absolutely think that teasing the Cleveland Browns is the way to go here. The Steelers just play, especially in this must-win game, tight to me. Like they play, they're not like building a lead. Their goal is never like, let's get out by 10, let's get out by 13. Their goal is always like, Let's somehow try to figure out a way to win this game at the end, to, to not lose it early, to win the game at the end. Of course, they're trying to win the game early, but like th their strategy is built more towards keeping the game close and not doing anything dumb and putting themselves in a position where they can win it late if needed. And it's not the type of team that's going to keep building on a lead if they're lucky enough to get one in this in this matchup. So I, I think that side of the thing works perfectly. And then I, I think the Vikings, that's a game that you might want to look to the first half. I do think they probably win the game because I believe the 
Bears are openly trying to lose that game yes. for playoff positioning right. in hopes that the his, Texans go out and beat the Colts. His name is Nathan Peterman. That's how you know that they're trying to lose the football game. Yes, we're in agreement. So I, I think that that's their strategy here. And their overall roster stinks. And the only way that they were competitive in some of their games down the stretch is because of Justin Fields, Fields and his Fields. running ability. And Stud. when you put a backup, uh, a backup quarterback back there who's a pocket passer behind a line like this, you're going to get sacked a shitload. Look at the sack props in this game because those Ooh. could come into play uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. But um, I, I absolutely think the Vikings are trying to get the bad taste out of their mouth from what happened. And they know they're not going to get a first round by and they know that they're going to have to play next week and they might end up sitting some starters late in the game, but they are trying to get their momentum back. If you read some of the quotes from Kevin O'Connell, they're big on momentum. They feel like in, 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 in some of their games, they're giving up the momentum. They feel like they need to get back some of the momentum heading into the playoffs. I, I think they come out and play their guys early in this one. I think they start hot against a bad Bears team. And I think the Bears do enough to lose this one. Yes, you and I agree. So the one and a half feels good. I I have, I'll do this very quickly. We don't have to go through the games. Uh, the super square, max motivation, max incentive, money line parlay, giant favorites. I have uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati and uh, Buffalo all layered up together. If you play them in a three-leg money line parlay, you can get that at minus 107, near even money. Obviously, it's very stupid to, to do that kind of thing. But week 18, let's just jump in with some super square. We'd like the Bengals and, and Buffalo both to win outright for all the reasons, the emotional impact of, of last week. And we like Kansas City to win because they're going to uh, clinch the one seed. So that that's the rationale. It's crazy square. I admit it. Let's see what the betting buddies have to say this week, Sharpie. Well, f first, before we do that, two things. Number one, I will tell you that there was a very sharp correlated parlay that you could do and correlated teasers that you could do on the Bengals to the Broncos. We talked about this before. If the Bengals beat the Ravens, then there's no motivation for the Chargers to win that game. Oh, And I think the Chargers might be sitting there, guys, which is exactly why the Denver Broncos became the favorite. And so when the Broncos were still catching points, screwing around, I am teasing the Bengals down and, uh, and, and pairing that with the Broncos up. I'm also money line parlaying them, which you could still do now. You're not going to get nearly as much value, but it definitely is something that's pre-flop relatively correlated is a Bengals win means the Chargers sit, which means the Broncos should have a good chance to, to win that game. Now, the, the Chargers aren't incentivized to lose. Okay, they're not trying to lose this game for any particular reason, but they're incentivized to rest their guys because they have to play next week and they've already locked in that fifth spot with a Ravens loss to the Bengals. So there is a there is something that needs to be delineated there. There's a big difference between playing to lose a game for like a draft spot and playing not to win a game, like a game doesn't matter to you at all. You're just trying to rest your guys. And so they might be coaching to win the game against the Broncos, but more than anything, they're probably resting their key guys and trying to get the game over with as soon as possible. So that's the first announcement that I think uh, everybody should be aware of another one to add to your parlays. Cause the ones you mentioned were smart, but they're not correlated, right? They're, yeah. uh, they're like smart. This is the team show. This one is actually uh, one of the correlated ones. The other thing is, SharpFootballMerch.com oh, just yeah. launched it. Just launched it. Uh, basically, the reason, the impetus behind it, I'll just say it real quick. I saw all these teams, all these coaches losing in their games late, like the Raiders were doing, giving up leads in the fourth quarter. We saw 57 on the season. It's an all-time high. I went back all the way to 1990. I can't find another year. So maybe it's before that there was one, or maybe this is the record for Blown leads entering the third quarter. Teams lose them in the fourth quarter by coaching scared. So I printed the shirt. I said, I told one of my buddies, I'm getting a shirt printed that says stop coaching scared on it. And from that, we decided to sell the shirt too. And then we decided to add some other shirts in there. So we just launched this thing like spur of the moment the other day. And this is the first time I'm actually mentioning it publicly, but it's up there at sharpfootballmerch.com. You can, you can, everything's 10% off. Um, for the site right now. So if you want a, want a shirt, you can grab one there. Let's get to the betting buddies though. So we have had, let's see, house, 
91 responses and a few quote tweets. So there's a lot here. We, we, we love the betting buddies. And by the way, you guys, speaking of merch, I mean, maybe, maybe getting something, something. I can't tell you for sure, but you know, uh, I think the people that have been winning this thing have been probably pretty happy about, uh, about themselves. Yeah, the mail. After we Keep an eye them. on the mail. That's right. Keep an eye on the, uh, the messages in the mail. Uh, let's go through some of these house. This guy, definitely not. Sorry, not parody John Brown. Steelers minus two and a half. House does not like that. Let's go. Uh, perfect game to bet against the C-words. Uh, yeah. So somebody wants to lay with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. Dallas doesn't have anything to play for if they end up uh, seeing the Philadelphia Eagles build up a big lead. I don't know that that's the and smartest we're, bet. We're going to see that, right? Because the Giants have already announced they're sitting everybody. Yeah, pre pretty much exactly. Rams plus six, you already like that one. Titans plus six and a half, you already like that one. So some smart listeners out here, uh, Turnpike Mike and Travis with a backwards R, good work, but we're already on those two. Uh, Broncos minus two and a half. Well, the line is now three, unfortunately, unless you're buying down to two and a half. Um, and, and personally, I'll tell you how, if, if you like the Broncos minus two and a half, as opposed to buying a half point down to that, just just do what I said and bet the money line parlay of the Bengals to the Broncos money line. Um, yeah, I'm doing that. You know, I priced it while you were talking. That's at minus 106. So the same kind of price as my dumb super square max incentive parlay with the three teams not correlated. Same price, Broncos, Bengals, minus 106. That's the, I like it. Okay, so there you go. Uh, we got Raiders plus nine. You already like that one. Uh, we got the Lions money line even in Lambeau. Uh, guy likes that. Vikings minus seven and a half. Bears want that first pick. Uh, Jarek McKinnon over 32 and a half receiving yards. Raiders give up the most receiving yards to running backs this year. I don't hate it. Uh, okay. Cowboys, Cowboys on the first half. Yeah, so think about the ones you like. Jot them down. I'll keep just rattling these off. Cowboys minus three and a half first half. Panthers plus three and a half versus the Saints. Uh, another guy likes the Rams. Uh, let's see. Putting his house on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, <laughs> Parley, the Bills first half spread and first half over. All the talk this week from the players is about how McDermott led them through and will keep their focus. Okay, so that's he gave some reasoning on that. Um, oh, Michael predicts his best bet is that House will purchase a Howell jersey by the end of the game. Michael, Michael doesn't even know. There might be already be a Howell jersey in, in the House household as we speak. The potential future quarterback of the C-Words, because we, we haven't seen a potential future quarterback for the C-Words this entire season. Week 18, maybe we, maybe we see the future uh, emerge in front of our very eyes. Hope springs eternal as a Washington fan, Sharpie. Uh, more power to you, man. Bless your heart. Uh, Broncos Chargers under 40. Chargers might be, you know, keeping some of their offensive guys off the field. Uh, lower total, but Broncos offense isn't that explosive. Um, Packers minus four and a half. So opposite position nah, there. Nah, nah. Trevor Lawrence over 259 and a half passing yards against this secondary of the Houston, uh, sorry, of the Tennessee Titans. Nick Chubb's longest rush over uh, 18 and a half is what yeah. it is. I don't want to mess with going against TJ Watt. I do like that that um, Trevor Lawrence uh, prop because uh, okay. even with the upfront pressure that I think Tennessee will manufacture and the fact that game plan wise, Tennessee wants to squeeze the air out of the ball. The only way for Jacksonville to compete in this game is to chuck it uh, early and chuck it off. And so who, who, who offered up that Trevor Lawrence one? That was Lee Ginsburg, Lee Ginsburg two. The number two is the actual Twitter handle and Lee, there you are. You're famous house loves your bet. Uh, you will be. And I, and the reason that I like that is because I'm going to correlate it. Now I, I, uh, don't recommend, um, parlaying player props, but on the other side, Robert L. is sitting here with Derrick Henry over 21 and a half rushing attempts. If you can find a market to grab that, I feel like that's the other side of the game script, the way that Tennessee wants to play its best success. So uh, I want to have some action on Saturday. I like both of these two, two plays. Let's put those two together for Saturday, and then let's find one for Sunday. You, you agree with this notion of Derrick Henry over 21 and a half from Robert L.? Well, you're not going to find a, a time that he's more rested, number one. 
Um, and number two, at least during the course of a season. And number two, you got a quarterback who you probably don't want him chucking the ball around a ton. Like it's one thing if you got Ryan Tannehill back there, but I think you probably are in a good situation that Derrick Henry's going to have to be there. The only issue is if Trevor Lawrence is successful enough passing the football, then you might be game scripted out of this in the second half, but kind of is the, is the life that you choose. So, okay, we'll go with those two. That one is R J L the number two and J that's Robert L you are also famous now, my friend. Okay. One for Sunday. Let's get something Sunday. juicy for Sunday. What, what, what do All we right. like? We got the, we got, um, by the way, if you, we see some guys trying to game the system, you know, producer Mike found this out last week. We got our friend, Adrian. Look, we love you, Adrian. You got to pick one. I, I see you in here. You keep spamming my timeline with all of these props. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Your, your aggressive nature here, but we're, we're, not, we, we're, I'm only going to choose the first one that you give me. And these others, I'm not even going to read them off. Note to Adrian, everyone else as well. Adrian is throwing on early downs, Sharpie. We, maybe you need to send him a throw on early downs sweatshirt from, from the, from the Sharp collection. From the merch store. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay. Vikings first half minus four. Well, that was a good bet. It is now over four right now, Alex, but, um, yeah, yeah that was a good bet probably. Um, Okay. This guy wants the Titans and Jags to tie. That's a Saturday bet, anyways. Um, Bengals Broncos money line parlay. We, hey, we, that's what we just suggested. We he's just listening to us. Good job, Dan. Somehow you are on the live stream well, here. Should we, but should we just, let? We should, should we reward them? I mean, well, we talked about the ones that uh, we liked, and, yeah, and you liked right. it. So we say you've already on it. So we yeah, can't pick right. the guy. But you're Dan right. De, De Rosila. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely Di butchering your name. Di Rosala, Di nice Italian. Um, Di Rosalia. Oh, that's even better. And it's, it's just yeah. at Dan Di Rosalia. Nice Italian man. Yes, there Good you job. go, Dan. You, it's great, great, great bet. Great bet there. Um, okay. Zay Jones to hit 100 receiving yards. Um, let's see. Bills, uh, we've got like a five-team money line. Yeah, Parley. so I'm We're on the Zay Jones that. ones. Everybody out there, whoever gave that out, I'm on it. Um, I, I do think those incentives, you know, he's he has $750,000 out there if he gets, you know, uh, I think it's five catches and, and 90 yards. So uh, I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence will make his, his guys happy. Doug Peterson wants to keep his guys happy. I, w- I will do that one. So shout out to whoever suggested the Zay Jones one. There is an, there is another guy that I follow from uh, from Buffalo who I've interacted with on the side before who said, I would currently put my mortgage on Buffalo Moneyline. Here's an interesting thing. Mike, I know we might go over a minute with me saying this, but I personally believe that the it's very hard to figure out motivation inside of a locker room unless you're there, unless you talk to people that are there. I definitely think that they will now regain their focus quickly and try to play, put their best effort out there and play really well. But to me, from outside the building, the way to really honor a teammate that's been injured and can't be there with you is to win the damn Super Bowl. It's not to ensure that you go out and throttle a team in week 18, knowing that you have to play again in week 19 in the wild card round because you don't have a shot at getting the one seed. So I do think Buffalo is playing to win here, but uh, like it's going to be hard to go from like your your throttle and your emotions is turned totally in one direction, feeling bad about your teammate not preparing at all for the Patriots to all of a sudden now you're doing nothing but preparing for the Patriots. I think that that is a challenge, but I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Evan Ingram receiving yards over. Jags Seahawks teaser. So he wants to tease the Seahawks down. We don't, you don't like that one. You like the other side of the Seahawks. I do. Yeah. Um, Detroit plus the points in the first half. I don't disagree with you, Robert. Uh, Detroit plus the points let's, potentially in the first half. They've do done that. really well. Yeah, let's do you that. You like that one? That's the one. Now, okay. we were looking for so something. So the only on trick Sunday. is the entry point. The only trick is when you enter the market here. If you enter the market today, which is when we're recording this, Detroit plus the points in the first half is three and a half. So that's what it's going to be. I, you might be able to hold out and get four later, depending upon how that early game goes. Uh, but we have to enter now. We got to say Detroit plus three and a half is, is the bet. The, why the first half? Well, the first half is that if you look back, look at the last like four or five games that the Lions have played in Lambeau. They've actually, I think, led at the end of the first half in like four of those games. And they've done a really good job of performing early in the games, even in Lambeau, even though they got these massive home road splits this year, 
They've done well in the first half of those games in Lambeau. So I'm I'm Lions happy. first half that is Robert VA Stone twenty three VA Stone twenty three. You are the third and final bet the buddies uh, betting buddies selection of the week. Yeah, but just just so everybody knows, we're not ending this just because the NFL regular season. I mean, we're we're about to get wild in wild card weekend coming up. We will we will keep this uh, participation. Uh, and involvement with all of you. We we need you. We we're, we're we're dying for these suggestions every every single week. So we'll we'll, we'll have this going next week as well, right, Mister Sharp? One hundred percent. This fucking thing is not stopping now. It's going to get better and better and better <laughs> as the playoffs get here because we're going to have more props to discuss. We're going to have fewer games that we can dive deeper yeah. into. This was like a a show. I hope you liked it. I hope you had fun listening to us. Uh, but this was definitely a show that uh, was a little bit more high level. And we are going to really be hitting these things a lot more directly starting next week. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks to everybody for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will be back on Sunday when Raheem Palmer shares his top five picks. And of course, we will continue to have great coverage for you throughout the playoffs. Thanks to Joe House for joining me and to Mike Wargon and Connor Nevins for producing the show. Good luck with all your bets this weekend and we'll talk to you next week.